Thank you for being with us today. We would love to have you join us in person. To partner with us or to give online, go to www.upperroomohio.com. We hope you enjoy this message. You just, you know, you grow from that. So I'm excited. I'm going to just talk about, like, you guys, even if you don't know me that well, you know that I, one of my things, one of my favorites is worship. And so that's just what I'm going to talk about t today. And it's going to be, how many of you were at the River Conference? Was it anybody? So you, you know that, that you heard Rick Pino kind of talk about, I think he mentioned this throughout the weekend, but regardless, that worship is not just the music and the singing, right? It's, it's actually, it's so much more than that. And so for me, I think that's the initial draw, the initial pull for me is I love amazing worship sets. I love amazing worship moments and singing. And um, I thoroughly enjoy that, but I know and I feel and I sense that God is actually pulling me and saying, let me suggest to you, Nicole, that worship is so much more than that. And I want you to experience that every day of your life, not just when the music's playing, but even in the silence, even in the laundry, even in the taking out the trash, all of those things. And so that's just what I'm going to kind of lean into today. So let me get situated. We're going to actually kind of be in Ezekiel 40. I know it's a tough one, but for whatever reason, God just keeps making me stay there. So Ezekiel 40. To the notes. All right. So if you're familiar with that um, chapter at all, actually the whole book of Ezekiel is a vision that God has given and to Ezekiel. And it's actually a vision. The whole entire book is talking about um, all kinds of different things. But at the beginning of the book, it's actually talking about the destruction of Jerusalem. Then it moves into the destruction of other nations. I'm not going to talk about destruction, but I'm going to actually talk about what the end of that book is actually talking about. And that is the future of God's covenantal people. I really love it. The future of God's covenantal people. And the reason I love it so much is because it's capturing my eye. I'm, I'm, I pulled out Aaron's um, Spirit-Filled Life Study Bible. Does anybody have one of those where, you know, like the top is the Bible and the bottom is like, this is for people who don't know what you're reading. And now you can read this and I'll tell you what it actually means. And I love it. And so I was in that reading that and I realized that that's, that's what the end of this, this book of Ezekiel is really talking about. The future of God's and it said covenantal people. Which tells me that God is a God of covenant and he wants covenant. And I start, so I start to, to lead into this and I'm reading on this and all these types of things. And as you get into the end of Ezekiel in chapter 40, that's kind of where we're going to land today. It's really talking about the temple. And the temple, when, when he's getting the vision of this, this is, the temple actually represents a worshiping community. So the temple of, of, that it's talking about is a worshiping community. And this just so clearly tugged at my heart. Because I'm like, man, like for me, I, I just... Like, I'm so big on making sure that my heart and everything I do is aligned with what God wants. Like, I so badly want, I want for our worship teams. You know, I spend a lot of time overseeing our worship teams. I know it's weird because I don't sing and I don't play an instrument. But I have this thing in me that I want to see these worship teams be a worshiping community. 
Because as they begin to become a worshiping community, it, it allows for us to easily, easier access a worshiping community. And so for me, I'm just like, okay, God, I see this. I see, I'm seeing this picture. Like, let's talk, let, like, teach me. I want, I want this, right? And I just feel like God is saying, like, it goes so much more beyond what is cultivated up here, what is cultivated during our 45-minute worship time, what, you know, that is awesome. That is awesome, and that is, an op that is a form of worship, but there's something else and so much more to it, because if I'm only worshiping on Sunday when I have the music on, or if I'm only worshiping in the 30 minutes that I have time to listen to a worship set, or if I'm only worshiping when I'm driving in my car and the music's playing, then something's missing, because it, we, we really are called to be living a life of worship. We are lifelong. You ever heard in school, they call you, they say you want to be a lifelong learner? Well, I want to be a lifelong worshiper. I want to worship every day from the minute I wake up until I go to bed. And I need to figure out how to wrap my mind around this. And, uh, and so that's what I want to do today. So the question would be, how do we cultivate that to become a true worshiping community? Well, uh, I mean, I don't think that we could cultivate something like that altogether unless we're doing it personally. So how can we be, how can I cultivate a, being a worshiping person? I guess would be the initial question. So as I'm thinking about this, I'm like, okay, praying and getting into this. I'm thinking, you know what? Like we could walk in on a Sunday and you guys know, like we start out with worship. So I know in my head, like we're going to worship. I know that we're worshiping God. He's good. We worship him. We sing to him. We're praising him. So I'm knowing these things in my head, but it just really, it has to go from that knowing and then transition and transfer and Go all the way down to the heart. And there has to be a piece of you that in your heart, you're getting an, a revelation. And it kind of goes along with like what Aaron was talking about over the past couple weeks about the awe of God. Like a true revelation, you know, how can these creatures sing nonstop? Because it's because of their awe of him. And, and they're continually in that. And it's a heart, it's a heart uh, revelation. But along with that, and, and I kind of want to sit here for a minute, is the heart posture. How is our heart postured? I shared this in the first service, and Patty Bowen was in here. Steve, when he spoke a while ago, he said something, shared something about Patty that completely, it, it just resonated in me. It shifted my days. It shifted my, it helped shift my heart. And he said that every morning when she would wake up, as soon as she would wake up, she would smile. Do you remember saying that? She, she's like, yeah. And, and so even if our eyes aren't open, I mean, we're, we're awake in our brain, I'm initially thinking, okay, smile. Because that, I believe, I feel like that helps us to posture our heart to, towards worship. Because I'm immediately smiling. I may not feel it. I may be angry because I have to get up. I may not be looking forward to the meeting I have that day or, or battling with my kids to get them out of bed so they can go to school. But I'm immediately, and if you have tried this, I tried it, literally, it's like, it is so supernatural. When I wake up and I immediately... Because let's just be honest, I'm sorry, I tend to be a negative person. So I wake up and I'm mad about it. I don't know why. I just think I wish I could sleep more. So I'm immediately saying, smile. And I'm telling you what, 
I can't help but begin to have a mindset of thankfulness and I begin to think about good things because I can't smile. I can't, for whatever reason, I can't smile and like still be angry. Like that just doesn't work for me. And so it's, it's beginning to posture our hearts so that we, we are actually in worship all the time. Okay. And then after the heart, you've got the action. So, so it goes from head to heart, and then we're actually moved, right? So I want to talk about, go to Ezekiel um, 41.4. Okay, and in Ezekiel 41.4, it says, The inner room of the sanctuary was 35 feet long and 35 feet wide. And it says, This, he told me, is the most holy place. So we're trying to get to, I mean, I don't know about you, but I'm trying to get to the most holy place. That's, I mean, that is, in this, we're talking about the presence of God. That's what I want. That, I gotta be there. Like, I, I have to. I cannot be sustained on just, like, feeling good and knowing things. I have to be in the presence. That is what sustains me. And so my thing, my goal is, I gotta get to the, to the most holy place. So in this vision, that's, that's what they're, de they're describing, and they're talking about the most holy place. Now, this is so cool. I am the type of person, if you guys remember what Jake was talking about, he was saying how some people can read a scripture and then they, they pick out a word and then they have to like study it out. And so that's me. So, so I was reading in here and I'm reading in Ezekiel 40, going back, now we're going to go back to 40. And I start to read about these tables, these tables that are lined up as they're heading towards the most holy place. And, and so I'm going to read this with you. So if you want to follow, you can go to Ezekiel 40, verse 39. Okay, and it says, On each side of this entry room were two tables where the sacrificial animals were slaughtered for the burnt offerings, sin offerings, and guilt offerings. So now it's talking about sin and guilt. Okay? Keep going to... Well, we can read through. Okay, verse 40. So there were eight tables in all. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Outside the entry room on each side of the stairs going up to the north entrance were two more, two more tables. So there were eight tables in all, four inside and four outside where the sacrifices were cut up and prepared. So we have sin, we have guilt. It's talking about sacrifice. Verse 42. There were also four tables of finished stone for preparation of the burnt offerings. Skipping down a little bit, it says, On these tables were placed the butchering knives and other implements for slaughtering and sacrificial animals. So when I'm reading that, I'm thinking of... Like the utensils, the tools that are needed, right? And then in verse 43, it says, There were hooks, each three inches, long, fastened all around the foyer walls. The sacrificial meat was laid on the tables. In my NIV version, it's a, it refers to, instead of saying meat, it says flesh. So I'm thinking, okay, so we have eight tables. <gasps> eight? What is, like, what is the prophetic meaning of eight? Because, I mean, there's got to be something here good. So I look it up, and eight actually means resurrection regeneration, and new beginnings. So as we're walking through this process and we're, these are the things, the things on the table, these are the things that we're laying down, we're getting rid of, and we're moving forward. We're, these things represent the opportunity to resurrect, meaning whatever dead things are in your life, if you feel dead, if you have dead situations, dead relationships, whatever, is an opportunity because we're entering in to the most holy place for life to come forth. New beginnings, fresh starts. This is incredible to me. And so as I'm reading through it, 
I'm like, okay, let's break this down just a little bit. So we have the sin offering and the guilt offering. It's time, like, as w- in our heads, if we go back to what I was saying about being in our heads, like, guilt, how many of you know that guilt can take you just totally on a really bad path and, if, and you operate and make choices because you feel guilty and kind of goes back to the shame thing too. So there's sin, there's guilt. These are the things that we're getting rid of. We're sacrificing things. I, if I'm thinking about it, in my day, I might rather lay on the couch and take a nap. I have wanted to do it. Like, put Hadassah down. It's silent. I just want to take a nap. But I'm going to sacrifice. I'm going to sacrifice that so that I could have a, an amazing worship moment. So that I could get to the holy place. Okay, now those utensils that I was, I was um, at, that it referred to, I'm thinking, okay, these have to be things that we need to use to get rid of the flesh. So things such as pride, idols, different things in our lives. These are the things that prevent us from cultivating a personal worship experience all day, every day, all the minutes of the day. And then the very last thing, the flesh that it talked about, ourself, full surrender, you know, um, I may not feel it. I actually might be mad at you, God, but I'm going to surrender it. I'm going to set it on the table so that I can get in to the most holy place because I need to be there. I know I have to be there. I have faith for what's going to happen when I'm there, for the encounter that's going to happen, for the, the presence that I'm going to feel, right? So, okay, I'm like, all right, so let's find a Bible story. Because I like to have a Bible story to go with this. So go to Luke 7, 36. Okay. Luke 7, 36. We're going to read through 38. It says, Now one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him. So he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. So Jesus is in the Pharisee's house. When a woman who had lived in a sinful life in that town learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. She brought an alabaster jar of perfume. Okay, stop. So she knew in her head he was there. She learned it. She knew in her head he was there. Now, she brings an alabaster jar of perfume. So she's now willing to sacrifice. She's giving up something. This is a very valuable thing to her. She's willing to sacrifice and give it up. So she's walking through. I'm just getting this vision. Like, if I'm paralleling it to the temple vision, it's like she's walking through these tables, just because why? She wants to encounter Jesus. She's got to get to him. She knows that something's going to happen when she gets to him. And then it says, and as she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. So now it has went from the head to the heart. She's sacrificed, and now she's acting on it. She's, she's actually doing something in that worship moment. She's not letting a worship moment pass her by. She's not, she's, and she's not trying to create a worship moment. She's recognized that Jesus, the most holy thing, the most holy place, that presence is there. And she's going to jump on whatever is going, whatever he's doing. And so she now has sacrificed. She's pouring it out on her feet, his feet. It's powerful goes from the head to the heart to the movement, to the action. She's doing something with it. It was her sacrifice, and it turned into a worship moment. Okay, I want to go back just a minute to the, to the heart posture. 
you know, the songs, the words, all of that kind of stuff, that can help us posture our heart. But what does it look like when the song's not playing? What does it look like when she had not, she, they weren't, from what I have read, they weren't singing. She wasn't singing. There was no music playing. But she captured the fact that there was an actual worship moment. It was like, it was as if she's living this opportunity to worship. And I just, I think like, so today for me, I just want it to be an opportunity to break off like what a worship moment, like my, what a worship life will look like for you, okay? It doesn't look like always just coming in and singing or turning on our music, okay? The heart posture and positioning our hearts in every moment. Do you guys remember, and I referred it just a little bit, a little bit ago, but when Rick, when someone asked Rick Pino um, at the conference, they said, well, how do you live out a lifestyle of worship? Or what does your daily life look like to have a life of worship? And he immediately responded and said, take out the trash. And that really ministered to me because I'm thinking, I think that's really when it kind of began to unravel in my mind. Like, oh, I've got this, not that I have it wrong, but I'm missing opportunity. And so I'm just thinking and today as I'm like, you know, here are some opportunities. When I'm cooking, my heart is postured towards him. I'm positioning my heart. I don't know what it needs to look like for you, but for me, I literally, I have to continually be like, okay, I'm, I don't, you guys, I'm just like, because I feel like sometimes we get so this, and it's like we need to physically make ourselves boom, and posture our heart away from whatever we're, our heart's trying to go to and just say no, and we're postured towards him. And in the cooking, God, thank you that I have food to feed my family. Like a heart posture of worship actually allows, enables, and almost kind of like walks hand in hand with a heart of thankfulness and gratitude. Because I cannot help but be like, whoa, thank you that I have food. Thank you I have a, a table. Thank you that I have money to feed my family. Like, whatever that looks like, thank you, God, for my job. Like, positioning our heart. Thank you that I get to help someone today. After first service, Patty Bowen was sharing with me, and she said she remembers a long time ago when she was working at Target. Because I was, I was, you know, I'm just saying, like, we have to break out the mindset. Like, we, like, worship is happening all the time. And she said she was reminded of a time when she was working in uh, Target, and she was literally, like, hanging clothes or, you know, putting them back where they belong. And all of a sudden she said, I had one of the most powerful worship encounters, encounters with Jesus that she could ever remember. It was because it was, like, her heart was postured towards him, and it allows, it's like a funnel that allows for, for him to show up, for encounters to happen. It's, it's just our heart posture all the time. And I mean, like, so what does it look like when we are continually just limiting God and saying he's only going to show up when I'm doing this time? Like Sunday at 11 o'clock, between 11 and 1145, God's going to show up. It's going to be amazing. And then I'm not going to experience that again until I come back the next Sunday. I just think that, like, God is just cracking off, like, all these mindsets and stuff saying, you know what? No, I want to encounter you all the time. And it's, let's just posture our heart because I'm there. And now we're receiving it and we're thankful. And it's just, ah, oh, so good. Okay, so continually positioning our heart. Next, the action step. You know, we're naturally worshiping. We're living a life of it continually. And it becomes personal. I, I just don't know that we're going we're gonna to really do much, like as he was referring to, like it's time for the churches to come together, the bride to come together and all that stuff. I just don't necessarily know that it's really going to happen unless we're cultivating things personally for us. 
We can't count on us coming together on a Sunday morning and saying, okay, as a group, we're going to do something. It, no, because it starts here. It's, there's got to be a lifestyle of, of personal worship day in, day out, all the time. Yeah. And so then what happens after it's a personal thing, then, then what naturally starts to happen? Our family, our home. Now we're cultivating a, a worship lifestyle with amongst our spouse and our kids. And they're hearing it because, I don't know, is Christy in here? I don't know. I was with Christy. And we were doing, we were speaking somewhere together a while back. And all, like, whenever I was, like, I kept hearing her be like, thank you, Jesus. And I'm like, what? What? Because I, I, bad mindset. I'm like, what are you, what happened that you're thanking him for? Because something had to happen for you to say thank you. Like, it was just like this weird way. And then I just, I started to realize, like, she just continually has her heart postured in worship, just saying, thank you. Thank you. And it, like, really ministered to me. And I think of that as we are cultivating that personally. What is that doing for our kids in our home? You know, all, like, putting them to bed at night. And they're hollering five times. And I'm just, I just say, what? Like, I'm just, but what does it look like if I'm still pressing in? It's a little bit longer. Just a little bit longer they'll be asleep. And I'm just, I'm in worship. And I just love you. What do you want? You know, but we're, we're, we're heart of worship. Okay? This is going to change your family. I promise. All right. Then what naturally happens after we're actually cultivating a worship revival in our home, it becomes a church worship revival, a church worship community. And then it becomes what happens in Ezekiel 48 at the end. And then the community is experiencing a worship you know, it's a worship community. It's a worship revival everywhere. It's not just on Sunday from 11 to 11.45. It's happening all the time. So go to Ezekiel 48.35 because this is the vision at the end that is, that is promised. It says at the end of verse 35, it says, And from that day, the name of the city will be, The Lord is there. That's what I want. I don't just want to talk about him. I want people to know that the Lord is there. When I walk in somewhere, I want people to know that she's cultivating something and the Lord is there in their family. I want them to come into my home or see my family out somewhere. And I want them to recognize like the Lord is there. There's something different. I want people to come into our church, not just from 11 to 11.45 during a good worship set, but when they walk through the door, I want them to feel the Lord is there. And that's because we have cultivated a, a worship community in us, in our family, in our home, in our church, in our community. It just becomes, it becomes the vision. It is what the temple is meant to be, a covenantal worshiping community. And in that, in that, when, we've, when that begins to happen, that is when restoration takes place. That is when we see the bride of Christ coming together. That's when all of this stuff begins to happen. And that's when the movement begins to happen. Will you show the picture? As I was um, processing this with Aaron last night, I instantly was reminded of this picture that I own. Um, and this is just so powerful. I, this is what, this is the whole thing. This is... To me, this, this painting is actually called Here Comes the Bride, but you see the bride as a whole, but in her uh, bridal gown, in the dress, is 
all the people, making up the bride of Christ. I'm just like, that is so powerful. That's like, it gave me such a good vision for when we refer to the bride of Christ. And so that's what we're going for. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to get stuck in having to only worship when the music's playing or when I'm in a good worship concert or a good worship moment up here. I want it to always be a good worship moment throughout everything that I'm doing. So I'm going to have the band come, and I just want for you, if you would, would you just stand, and I just want to pray. We're going to pray over you, and... um. We're gonna, I want to start out, actually, by having you put your hand on your head and your heart. Because these are the two guys that, that, need, that need to capture this. And so, so God, we, just, we thank you. We thank you, God, for deep revelation. I thank you for, that you would bring new thoughts, that you would just bring deep revelation, that you would just bring just deep processing, God, into our minds, God. I thank you that we are a people that know. We know in our mind. We know that it is what we are called to do. But I just declare, God, right now that it would just become even deeper in our heart. Lord, that it would just become like a deep, deep, deep revelation, God, in our heart. Lord, that we would just begin to be aware of the prompt of the Holy Spirit, God, just to position our heart, just to shift our heart posture so that every day, all day, we would wake up and we would go to bed with our heart postured in worship. Just, just, God, I just ask that you would just increase, increase our awareness of the awe of you. God, increase our awareness of how majestic and how mighty you are. God, that it can move from just my thoughts and the things that I know, that it would just be so deep in my heart. God, that when I'm not postured towards you, that something just doesn't feel right and I recognize it immediately. So good, so good. Thank you, God, that, that, that you're getting ready to impart on us a deep revelation of what the ones in heaven have, where they're, they're crying out, holy, 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 24-7, 365. God, I thank you that that's something that, that we're receiving that's falling on us. God, increase our hunger to want the more to want a deeper encounter with you, a deeper revelation, God, that doesn't just last for a Sunday morning, but it actually travels with us every single day that we wake up day after day after day after day in just more awe of you and more in love with you and desiring more of you, that you are not an afterthought, but you are the thought. You are the thought. Thank you, God. Thank you for, for where you're taking us, what you're teaching us, where you're prompting us to go, what you're calling us to, what the sweet invitation that you're giving us to journey deeper into your heart. God, I thank you for people who are willing to say yes, that I will sacrifice, I will lay aside my sin and my guilt and my time me, 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 I will put it to the side. God, if you get elevated, you get worshiped. God, that we just, we just, we want more.